This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcast. I'm your co-host, Neil Wallace-Bruce, and I'm joined, as always, by the talented Mr. Colbert Durant, otherwise known as Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. It's multi-talented, by the way. Multi-talented. Okay. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> you learn something every, every day on this show, don't you? Well, we are joined by a very multi-talented guest. He is an award winner, an Emmy Award winner. He's also a champion, won the UFC Ultimate Fighter, if you will, and... He's a cool guy all around. So, without any further ado, it's Mr. Eddie Truck Gordon. Truck, how you doing? Oh, man. I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Now, Truck, what's what are you up to nowadays? Oh, man. I'm, I'm trying to stay busy doing multiple things. You know, my, one of my biggest passions right now is is my foundation, the Eddie Truck Gordon Foundation, you know, to help underprivileged kids, you know, single moms. That's like my my goal is to, to kind of like let kids like myself see that they have a future and they can do things special. I'm still currently active as a fighter. You know, I, I, I didn't sign any fights yet. In my mind, I want to have three more before I retire. But if it doesn't make financial sense for me, I won't be taking that fight. <laughs> and I uh, own a gym. It's a passion of mine. And I wanted to always open up one eventually, and I did. You know, I do like group fitness classes for, you know, adults. And I work with a lot of uh, high school kids and college athletes as far as like strength and conditioning stuff. So you know, I'm trying to stay busy between being a full-time dad. So I think that might be the toughest job out of all of them. The toughest, but probably the most rewarding, no doubt. Now, Most days. <laughs> <laughs> can imagine. Now, is there a particular organization or franchise that – you would you would prefer to fight with? To be honest with you, I I had my eye on uh, the bare knuckle boxing. Been oh, in yeah. contact with them. There's a lot of um, people over there that's that I'm familiar with and and I know personally as, as far as like their management team. So we've been in in, in in communication. We just haven't found the right number to kind of let me cut weight and, and do all that fighting stuff because everybody thinks that it's just when you walk into the the ring or the cage, but there's so much more that, that leads up to it from six to eight weeks of dieting and training and being away from your family and all those, those things. So the price tag has to be right. You know, you don't want to fight and you're risking your life, to be quite honest. Like the price tag has to be right. Uh, it has to make sense. I'm fortunate enough that I'm doing many things that I'm able to, you know, support my family. Um, so if I'm going to take a risk as far as like my life's on the line, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm getting compensated properly for it. And I know what I bring to the table as far as my fan base. I think my fan base now is bigger than it's ever been, you know, not fighting, you know, because I do so many other different things, work with kids, their family. So, you know, I think I got a lot to bring to the table. <laughs> there we go. 
Now we like the sound of that. Multifaceted, multi-talented. Yeah, Eddie, your choice to get to MMA was kind of an unusual one. You didn't go through the the same path that the majority of fighters go through, correct? Yes, yes, it's definitely a weird path. <laughs> yeah, it's um, uh, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It was it was a freak accident me even getting into fighting. You know, I was in the, in the finance world. I was working for a publishing company, and after the world almost collapsed with the 9/11 and all this other crazy stuff that went on with with Hurricane Sandy and the stock market going down, you know, I got tired and burnt out. And everybody in the company, we went on like a little a little guys trip. We went to Atlantic City to to play some 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 games, and then we went to UFC 101 to watch it. And watching UFC 101 ringside i was like watching with different eyes i was like man i could do this and all my friends looked at me and told me i was crazy because at the time i was fat overweight out of shape i was probably 325 some pounds and i remember my mentor was sitting next to me he was like dude you're crazy can you really do this i'm like yeah if you think i'm a good football player i'm an even better you know wrestler i was better in wrestling but it was no money in wrestling and he believed in me and he, you know, he said, all right, man, I'll sponsor you. I'll get you going. And that week, everything kind of came full circle because I ran to a high school buddy of mine who I wrestled with, Chris Weidman. And he was like, you know, you want to get into this mixed martial arts thing? And this before anybody even knew who he was. He was fighting for ring of combat. And he kind of took me under, under his wing. I gave it a shot, went to Cerro Longo and that was like my home, man. I didn't, so it worked out. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, everyone knows Chris Weidman. As if you follow MMA, he's a household name. Was he with Sarah Longo at that time? Yes, he was with Sarah Longo. Like we're both fortunate, man. Like I think I say it all. You, know, you hear it all the time when when teams say that they're they're not a team, they're a family. We truly are a family. Like it's all you know, homegrown guys. Everybody from Long Island, Chris, Aljo, you know, Al, I Quinta. You know, it's so it's like it's literally like guys that are from the neighborhood. That's been my team from day one, uh. So it's it's uh it, it was it was fortunate, man. It was very 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 lucky landing spot for me, man, because I, I didn't have to worry about people not caring about my career, they just caring about money. They were definitely like good dudes from from the start that had my best interest in mind. Yeah, no, that that's awesome, man. That's awesome. It's a uh, it's a pretty famous. Jim, actually, when it comes right down to it, I mean, it's got some of the biggest upsets in UFC history came out of that gym. Are you still active with them or no? Like, it's so it's tough, man, because like, I'm running a business now. So I go there super, super sporadically just to more to just say hi to the guys and kind of to see everybody. You know, Chris moved down south to South Carolina. Aljo kind of goes back and forth between Vegas and here. It's, uh, it's, it's different. It's a little bit different. You know, if I book a fight, that's where I go. Like that's like that's where I spend, you know, two, three times a day. You know, at the gym. Uh, right now, I'm spending a lot of my time with the family my, at my gym, so I do still get to work out. So you know, I'm still active in it. I feel like my mind is as sharp as ever. I feel like I know the sport so much more now because I started so late at 27. I did all my learning at the highest stage in right? the UFC. But by my 30th birthday, I was you know fighting in the Ultimate Fighter Championship. So. You know, I did all my learning uh, through, <laughs> in the UFC, so it was it was uh, it was a gift and a curse, man. But I was def- I wouldn't like want it any other way. I remember your Ultimate Fighter, man. That was actually that was quite a good one. Now you fight at middleweight in MMA. What were you fighting at when you you wrestled? Oh man, it's crazy because I started my high school wrestling career. I I, I wrestled at one thirty five my freshman year. Okay, I said I would never want to lose all that weight anymore. I decided I wasn't going to wrestle in college. I was a football guy. 
So I said, I'm done losing weight, done cutting weight. I went to 189 my sophomore year, my junior and senior year. I wrestled 215. Oh, shit. Yeah, so that's a big a big leap. And then from that, I, after football was over in college, I was a big dude, man. I got up to almost you know, 300 pounds. And then when I, when I entered corporate America, I was hovering at 325. At 325, I stopped stepping on the scale. <laughs> so that was it for the scale for me. And I fought at middleweight, but I had fights at heavyweight. I had fights at light heavyweight. I even got a nutritionist and had a fight at 170, which I would never do again. I felt depleted like another human being. So that was like an experiment gone bad. <laughs> no, for sure. So, so Truck, you went to Fordham. That's where you got your degree in finance. And did you play football for the Rams when you were there? Yes, I did. Um, I played football for the Rams. I was a two-time captain there, man. Did a lot of learning and growing there. Some of the lessons I learned there transformed my life, man. I thought I'd be in the NFL not fighting if you would ask me. I thought there was no chance I'd be fighting and losing and cutting weight ever again. But little did I know. <laughs> wow. So what was your position when you were in college? My position in college was like a hybrid. I was a defensive end and a defensive tackle, which was a little bit different because in high school, I was a, a linebacker. Mm-hmm. I changed positions when I went to college, got on a breakfast club, had to gain some weight, and that was like my new position. So graduating college, my obviously my dreams was the NFL. I said I was vertically challenged, so I had I started to lose some weight and change uh, positions from defensive end, you know, to linebacker to get ready for the NFL combine. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. So take us through that. And and did you consider ever playing Canada role? Oh man, it was for me. It was uh, it was it was NFL or nothing. Like I played with a lot of guys in the NFL. Um, when I started to do the combine work stuff at that point, and I graduated two thousand five, and they were big on small school kids. So like the you know my next trip was the the CFL. Like they they my agent wanted me to go to uh, Saskatchewan and then the Hamilton Tiger Cats because I had a college teammate that was there. And when I found out how cold it is in Saskatchewan, I was like, wait a second. (laughs) It was was an eye-opener in different time zones. And at that point, I had to, like, make a decision, man. Do I pursue this football career or do I go into the the corporate world? And, you know, I always knew that it was a a possibility that I would have to, you know, hang up my cleats at some point. I didn't think it would be that soon, but I wasn't mentally ready to just get up and leave my family. At that point, I was already married, super young, 22 years old. I got married, and my wife was pregnant with my first born, unborn son at the time. And that kind of made me say, you know what? I got to put my dreams on hold and kind of like you know pursue this family thing and take care of you know my family. So it was it was a tough decision, and I, I didn't take the trip to Saskatchewan. I didn't go to the CFL, and sometimes I you know as a young kid I regretted it. Of course, I think that's kind of what pushed me to give this mixed martial arts thing a shot because I wasn't getting any younger, man. I started, I had zero experience, zero experience fighting. And at the age of 27, I said, to get this suit and tie, man, I'm giving it a shot because I'm only, I'm only young for but so long. And I did. And I'm happy I did. <laughs> Good. Yeah. You only live once. Now, it's funny that you, you mentioned going from football to MMA because when I watch a lot of the NFL nowadays, I'm seeing guys like Aaron Donald, DeMarcus Ware back in the day, they're, they're employing these swim moves that have some origins in MMA or wrestling. And we seem to be seeing a lot more of that coming from the edge defenders. 
Can you see yourself working with footballers in the future, perhaps? Oh, man, I see it all the time, man. You know, with the, especially with the, the, the game on right now, as we speak, some of the guys with the best hand-fighting skills are playing between Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt. You know, you look at Chandler Jones, whose brother's John Jones. Right. You know, it's no coincidence right. that this guy's doing so well and he uses his hands so well. It's a huge, huge advantage. And you see a lot of wrestlers have a lot of success when it comes to football. They say it all the time. Some of the best football players are wrestlers or have wrestling experience. So, you know, it's something I would love to do if I ever had the opportunity. I'm all for it. All right. Well, I mean, your gym, Fit Fam, is in New York and the NFL front office is in New York. So <laughs> yeah. get down to Mr. Goodell. Get, get down to him. That's, you know what? You know, that's a great idea, man. I never thought about that. I, I, like you said, you learn something new on the podcast every day. <laughs> at, at the very least, get down to Meadowlands and Jersey because we know the Jets and Giants, they need a little bit of help with their pass rushing. A little bit? A little bit? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it. I, 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 we can call a spade a spade. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I got to ask. So uh, is there anyone that played in the NFL we might know? Oh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, the, 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 the Jets, uh, the Brickishaw Ferguson. Yep. He was a high school teammate of mine. He played for the Jets for like, I think, 12 years, never missed a game. Yep. Probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. Jerry Mackey, who's like one of my closest friends to this day, he played for the Jets as well as the Buccaneers. His uncle's the legendary John Mackey. His godfather and uncle nice. was John Mackey. Man, I played with Curran Watson. He played a little short stand with the Jets. He was like a front office guy for them. Oh, man, this guy, this is, this is my call to fame. I, I played against a gentleman that Mr. Bushrod that played at Towson, and I had a game versus him. We played against them four times in my career. He was playing for the Steelers, I believe, for quite some time, and I averaged two and a half sacks a game versus this guy, man. And he's friggin' in the NFL, so I, 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 I think he, I think he won the the the, the, the NFL battle though, because he played for I think like five or six years in the league, man. But I was like, if just match me up with him every week, man, I think I could do it. <laughs> right. That's uh, Jermaine Bushrod, right? Yes, yes. Look at that. Yeah, you are yeah, good. yeah. I, I know football. No, I man, we're, football. We're, we're big NFL guys, so. Holy smoke. I'm <laughs> yeah. very impressed, man. I, yeah, yo, we... Listen, Sonny, it's funny you say that, right? So I'm very competitive. So I was very disappointed I didn't get a shot in the NFL because of my height, because I, you know, I did things super well. And I played with so many guys that were playing at elite level. I'm like, I knew that I could play there, and from that day on, I refused. I would never, ever wear an NFL jersey because I feel like I couldn't wear a jersey of people that should have been my peers. Mm. So like, I would never wear a jersey. And I was fortunate enough to actually be invited to the Buffalo Bills, their training facility. I want to say probably two and a half years ago. It was before COVID took off. And I got to meet the team, meet some of the guys, talk with some of the guys. got a tour of the facility, and the Buffalo Bills, Got me my number, my college jersey, my college number, my name with an official Buffalo Bills jersey. And they said, listen, you got to root for us. We're the only true New York team in New York. And I might be good luck for them, man. I think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl this year because I'm wearing that jersey every game day. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool, though. That's cool, man. Yeah, man. So that's the only football jersey I ever bought. Well, I didn't buy it. They gifted it to me, but I would never buy a football jersey. I couldn't wear it because I, I was so competitive and I was like so upset that I didn't even get an opportunity. So it was like, it was, uh, I don't know, man, it was, it was crazy. But everything happens for a reason because if I did, who knows? I would have never, I, I would have definitely never fought ever 
And fighting has literally saved my life, man. It's done so much for me that I'm super grateful for. It's made some relationships with some amazing people. And like I, I think it was my calling was doing that. That's beautiful. No, that's that's awesome because you had it made, like especially in a city like New York, to have the the job that you had in finance to to take a risk like that and to walk away. That's huge. And and to make it happen in a in a sport that you didn't have a lot of experience in, but you made it happen and you you maximized. So that's awesome, man. It was probably oh man, I look back on it now and like it's kind of crazy because like my mother cried, my 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 wife at the time she like she was like what are you doing like this is this is a big step like we have a family it's kind of not time for you to be pursuing your dreams but I was just miserable I I I I got depressed I was overweight I was out of shape I was literally dying I was three hundred twenty five pounds I wasn't I'm six feet tall and so like I, I could carry it and hide it well and it was just like I just felt like something was missing I didn't I didn't I didn't feel like I was what I was meant to do and nobody could understand it because I was successful I was making money. I had a 401k and I was living when I first fought, I fought for like $2,000 and that includes like me selling t-shirts and I was just hustling and people were like, dude, what are you doing? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And I was like, listen, I'm giving it till I'm 30, man. And if I don't make it to the highest level, then I'm not doing it because in my eyes, I always fell short. I always fell short. What I mean by that is, you know, wrestling, I lost to the state second place. I uh, I didn't play big, huge college football. I went instead of Division One A, I went Division One Double A, and I was just like, I was just tired of not being at the highest elite level of whatever I was doing. I felt like I was always falling short. So I said in my mind, it was the UFC or nothing. Like all I wanted to do was like get to the UFC, get to the UFC, and fight against the best guys in the world because I felt like I, I never was able to compete against the best in, in certain things. You know, nothing against one double A football because you see now guys are coming out of there, oh, yeah. from division two, division three. But at the time, it was like everything was about height, weight, and I was a shorter guy, so I didn't get the opportunities. But when you talk about fighting, boxing, mixed martial arts, it's a weight class. It doesn't matter how tall you are, as long as you step on that scale, you make the weight. You're competing against, you know, the person in your weight class. So for me, that was everything. And like being on this show, The Ultimate Fighter, I was an underdog there too. Like people don't even know, I got let go of season 17 i was selected to be on season 17 and then they ended up dropping my weight class and they didn't think i could make 185 so they were like at that point i was fighting light heavyweight and they were like dude you're 230 man there's no chance in heck you can make 185 we're not gonna risk money on a production team this that and lose somebody's spot so they ended up letting me go so i i thought my dream was shattered again and i was like what the heck and because of al i quit i'll never forget he convinced me when they had season 19 to like give the producers a call because I did everything. I did the physicals on 17. I did everything and it just fell through. And I, at that, at that point, I was watching somebody I knew personally, Uriah Hall, yeah. just get superstardom. Like he was the man coming off of, of that show. And he, you know, he lost to Calvin Gaslam at that point. Nobody knew how good Calvin was, but he lost to Calvin because Uriah wasn't a wrestler. And I'm sitting there looking like, oh, my God, like, I trained with these guys. I know how, how I stack up. So I'm mad right now thinking this is my season. I should have won this season. <laughs> like, I'm looking like all of Uriah's fame he was getting, I was like, this is just not right. I was so, I was heartbroken. I'm like, here I am again, coming in second place. Not even getting an opportunity. And then they came out with season 19, and, and Al said, yo, give them a call. I was like, man, I'm not going. I'm just going to just fight everybody I can and get there. And he convinced me to give the producers a call. They remember me. They like me. 
They flew me down. I didn't even have to go through the interview process. They were like, all right, man, we'll give you an opportunity. And this time they had the same thing. It was 185 and 205. And at that point, I took a fight at uh, Cage Fury at 185 right after they told me I wouldn't be able to be on the show just to prove them wrong. Because I'm, 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 I'm like sick in my head, man. You got to be sick and you have to be a fighter. I'm like, I'm going to show them that I'm going to keep losing weight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight 185 and show them that I can do it. And that they made a mistake. Like, they don't give a crap. They made a ton of money on this show. <laughs> so, like, I fought 185. I won that fight versus, um, gosh, what's this guy's name? I forgot. It was, he was a Bellator veteran. The guy fought some tough guys, too. He was, he was a tough dude. That was Lo- Lozano. Yes, yes, Lozano. See? You never remember the guys you beat. You always remember the guys you lose to. That's so crazy. That's how I am, at least. <laughs> I can tell you everybody I lost to in my life in wrestling from high school on. Hold like, on. Hold on, though. You beat Diego Lima. You got to remember that. Yes, yes, yes. That's true. That's true. <laughs> right? That's my, yeah, that was that was bittersweet, man, because Diego was like my roommate. Like, that was my boy. And I'm, like, super tight with him. And he was a young kid, man. I was, like, the old man in the house. And I was a huge underdog going in there. And I was like, damn, like, what the heck? And I just, in my mind, I was like, this is my last shot. I was literally a week away from being 30. I'm like, yo, you have to prime at 32. Like, I got to make, this is now or never for me, man. So I had everything against, like, like the, the, the right motivation going in. And I still talk to Diego. He's doing awesome. Still in the UFC, doing well. So, like, I'm super happy for him, man. And he has an amazing family. So it, it's, it's, I think everything happens, you know, for a reason. Yeah, for sure. For sure, buddy. Now, I, I got to ask you, I'm guessing the nickname truck came from back in football. <laughs> yes, but it's not what you would think. Like you think of a truck, you think it's a big, strapping man. I got the nickname when I was a hundred pounds soaking wet. My older brother, uh, I always looked up to him. He was a freak of nature athlete, national champion wrestler. Like he's the one that should be fighting, not me. Like if you if you'd ask anybody in our town or coaches, he was like a god. And I used to always play sports with him because I always looked up to him. And I was, like, playing running back at the park, and I was running over all these older kids. And he's like, holy smokes, man, you're running like a truck. So he gave me that nickname. I'm like, dude, that's the ugliest nickname ever. Like, who, who, it's not sexy. Who wants to be a truck? Like, like call me Lambo or something, like a truck. Like, like, and literally, I was 100 and some pounds. Even my freshman year, I was, like, 135 wrestling. And I just, like, you know, they say a name could, like, make you who you are. And I freaking grew into the name. So by the time I started fighting, like it wasn't even like it was a fight name. Like it was who I am. Like my mother calls me Truck now. I I had a nickname since I was like six years old. So it's 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 funny, and I literally like grew into the <laughs> the size of the truck. So it was. <laughs> well, that's I like the origin of that name. That's that's a cool story. And Truck, as I said before, you got the gym in in New York. If if you're listening, and you want to look it up. It's on Instagram at fitfam underscore ny. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pro.sports.podcasters for the most current sports news. Now back to the show. You were telling us a little bit about some of the challenges that you got to go through in terms of fitness, getting ready for a fight. How have you translated some of that to your, your fitness instruction? That's kind of like the, the main reason why I wanted to start you know, a gym. Because it's not a fight gym. It's a gym for like the regular everyday person because... You know, it sounds corny, it sounds stupid, but like fighting and fitness changed my life. It saved my life. I was heading towards heart attack. I was headed towards high blood pressure. I was headed toward diabetes. I was headed toward everything negative you could possibly think of. So when I tell people push a little bit harder, stay a little bit more consistent, 
this is how you could eat. This is what you could do. And it's like, and I try to make it as fun as humanly possible. I'm living it. I hate when somebody who's in crazy good shape, who's never been fat a day in their life, who's got great genetics, says, oh, this is easy. I can eat a pizza. I can do this. Like, no, I'm the guy that looks at food and gains weight. So I can talk from experience. And I know the confidence that it gave me to to feel good in my body and like the way I look at clothes. And I know personally, you know, the fluctuations of weight. I know all of the, you know, the, the stories. I lived it. So I put my passion into helping people transform their body, not just to look good, but to live like a good life for their kids, for their spouse, for themselves. So like, that's why I did the gym. That's why it's a huge, huge passion of mine. And, you know, and we have fun, man. And that, that's why I, I put everything I've been through in life and I poured it to my clients. Yeah. No, I feel that because I noticed one of the hashtags on the gym is health is wealth. And that's so true. Like money is one thing, but you could go through a crisis and lose all of that. Uh, you could Easy, lose your man. job tomorrow. Yeah, man. you look at look what we're going through right now, man. Look at COVID. Exactly. Yeah. If COVID like didn't show you anything, like ugh, the world shut down for a while, man. Like people, nobody was working, nobody was making money, and everybody that was living an unhealthy lifestyle was highest risk. So it's like that kind of put everything into into perspective. You don't ever see a U-Haul carrying all your material things when you're when you're dead in a hearse. No U-Hauls following behind a hearse. So all the material things that we have in the world. It's a bonus. Like we we can't overvalue them. Does money make life a little bit easier? Yes. Anybody that has money will tell you that. Anybody broke will will, will confirm that. You know, you know you need it, but you just you just gotta kinda stay in your your lane, stay in your zone and, and, and don't let the money like like change you and kill you. Don't don't chase it, man. Make it work for you. Straight up and, and no one can take your health away from you, no matter what. That's yes. something that no one can take that away from you. It's so true. So true. Yeah, man. Health and relationships, period. Huge, huge. If you have a good support system of people behind you, that's right up there with being healthy. I so agree. I think you're as successful as the people that you surround yourself with. If you show me your friends, your top five friends, man, I'll show you where you're going in life. That's I really, really believe in that. And I got to a lot of personal development too, man. Like I started reading a lot of books, listening to a lot of audio. And that was like one of the reasons why I wrote my book. That was one of the reasons why like I do a lot of things that I do because I really, really believe that, you know, as humans, we could grow. You know, there's a lot of growing we got to do. And if you don't, if you don't take time to build yourself, you know, uh, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. Now you had mentioned that maybe there's a reason why you didn't want to use the name, but you said you had, had spoken to your mentor at UFC 101 about wanting to do this. And he said he was behind you. Can you tell us who that is or no? Uh, yes, I could talk about it. Yeah, my mentor, oh man, I owe this guy like everything, man. His, his name is Matt Perlman, super, super successful businessman. You know, he was the CEO of the company I was working for at the time. And he's somebody that believed in me before I believed in myself. And he was there and like, you know, sometimes you need somebody to say, hey, I got you. You need somebody to say, you know, you're good, you're great. Because when you hear it from somewhere else, like it, it, it makes weight. And like to this day, like he's still, gives me advice on the stock market. He still gives me advice in, in life. He still, because like I said, he's an amazing businessman. He's been through his ups and downs. He, he's, he'll be the first to tell you that, you know, he was adopted and he worked for every single penny that he gets. And he's at a point now where he never has to work a day in his life again, but he chooses to do it because he's passionate about whatever he puts his mind to. 
This is the man that this dude ran the New York Marathon with zero days of training. Somebody bet him he couldn't do it, and he just ran and ran the marathon. <laughs> not only ran, but he finished it, and he wasn't like in last place. Like, and he's not like some slim track star looking guy. Like, he's a normal guy, normal body composition. At that point, I think he even had a dad bod going, and he ran a freaking marathon. I'm like, dude, that's just wild. It's uh, it just shows you like the, the power of his mind, and you can't tell him that he couldn't do something. So I told the right person <laughs> at the right time. That I wanted to fight because most people would have been like, dude, you're 325 pounds, you're overweight, one of your buttons is not even buttoned on your shirt, you say you're drinking Red Bull and, and vodka, there's no way you can do this. These are the best athletes in the world. And by the way, you're 27 years old. <laughs> <laughs> so he was the, the, probably the only person in the world that would have been like, all right, I got you. Let's do this. Let's figure out how we can make this work you know, financially because I, I still had two kids, a wife, a house, a mortgage. So like, I couldn't just like walk away and leave my job. So he set it up where he mentored me. He told me what to do, how to be smart about money. And he allowed me to like take time off the train. And he allowed me to like miss days to work to, to go to fights. So like without him, this is not even possible because financially, I don't think I'll be able to do it. Like I'll be freaking homeless. And my wife will be beating me up because a thousand bucks a fight just wouldn't cut it. That's right. <laughs> There's only so many fights you can have in a year. Exactly. <laughs> right. No, so how old are your kids now? Oh, man, my oldest is 15 going on 16 in March. Then I have a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old. I have a 5-year-old, and I have a 5-month-year-old, and they're all boys. So I can't make girls, man. It's the craziest <laughs> thing. But the last two we tried for a girl, and Two boys later, it's it's wild, man. It's have your teenagers taken up sports? Oh man, they they have they're excelling, man. They're they got me beat so bad, it's not even funny. Like I am no longer Eddie Chuck Gordon. I am like D'Angelo's dad, like Jaden's dad. <laughs> like, it's, it's like it's so crazy, but like I enjoy it. I embrace it. Like my son as a ninth grader was a starting quarterback on the varsity team. He made all conferences freshman year, his sophomore year, he made all county. And he's doing so well. He's wrestling. He made all county as a friggin' freshman. I didn't make all county in wrestling until I was like uh, a junior. So like they're exceeding all my my numbers like from grade to like to where they are now. And it's 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 a blessing. Like they just got their first college scholarship uh, recruiting letter the other day. They're ninth and tenth grade. Like I didn't see that until I was a friggin' junior. So they're they're way ahead of me athletic wise. And I don't want to say it's it's me and their mom. I would, I would say that it's just, they just want it. Like, I guess if, if you're around professional athletes, they've been around professional athletes their whole life. Like, mm -hmm. they grew up in the gym. So they, they've they been around Chris. They've been around, you know, Ally Quinta. Their uncle played in the NFL. Like, they've been around me. So it's like, they always know that if you work hard at something, like, they're, you know, people that are really in their life get it at a high level. So I feel like they, they that's the goal they have. Now, don't get me wrong. The odds are still against them. Like, if you really think about it, like, to be a professional athlete in anything, it's probably, what, 1% of the world? But mm. I just want them to have that hard work of whatever they're doing and let that translate into their, their everyday life. Like, don't get me wrong. I hope they go professional in football and basketball and whatever they want to do. But if they don't, I know that they will be equipped for life. Like, they're going to have life lessons that they'll know how to, when, when the going gets tough, fight, scratch, claw, you know, for their success. 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. And and when your oldest chooses his school, let us know. We'll post about it, man. We'll we'll put it oh, out that, there. That'd be awesome. Now, are you the strength and conditioning coach for your kids? I am. I actually um I do it with my kids, and now the school got me. I um I'm now coaching the junior varsity. I, the, last year is my second year doing the JV the the JV football, and this year is my first year doing the junior high wrestling team. We actually start on Tuesday. Like it's super hard for me to say no to kids, and the athletic director got me. So I'm like, you know, I want to give back. It's in my it's in my school, my town that I grew up in. So it's a way of me giving back to a beautiful community, a beautiful town that that helped me become who I am. And more importantly, like I just love coaching young kids and just teaching them the the value of hard work. Because not everybody's gonna be a professional athlete, but if you could get kids to start working hard, they'll appreciate hard work more, and it won't be as scary and as intimidating. When it's time to like work in real life, whatever it is, whatever you want to be successful at, you have to work. Whether it's podcasting, whether it's sports, whether it's business world, you have to be willing to work. If not, you're going to get passed up. So I look forward you know, to this avenue of motivating younger kids. No, that's awesome, man. That's awesome, Eddie. Like, how much attention do you play to football on Saturdays? How, how much of the college game are you watching? Oh, I I still love it, man. I love it now for so many different reasons. Like, I love it because football is my number one passion, man. Like, I never thought that I'll be fighting and cutting weight again. Like, I always thought it'd be I'll be playing in NFL. You couldn't tell me nothing different. And I just love watching college because I feel like the kids are playing for the right reasons. Now, it's not like the NFL where, if you look at why a lot of college athletes are great in college but they don't succeed in NFLs because they had too much success in college and they never really worked hard. They were just naturally better than the guys. Yeah, and when you get to the NFL, like everybody's not just good; they're just great. And you know, if you don't like to work hard, you're going to get passed up. And that's why you see a lot of these smaller school kids do well. You look at the Tom Brady's. Tom Brady never started in college. He wasn't like he wasn't a full time starter. He split time at Michigan. This guy is the greatest guy, greatest guy ever. And I hate saying that being a, a Giant fan, but it is what it is. <laughs> like he's great. You look at Jerry Rice, small school. A lot of these guys, they have great work ethic. That's how and why they have the success that they have because they keep on you know, putting in the time, putting in the effort. And yeah. watching college, I was scared with that whole NIL deal because now you're going to have college kids getting paid more than the coaches and some of these big-time schools. It's scary. It's really, really scary because then are they going to play harder? Are they going like, to take plays off, take weeks off? Because now they're getting paid? I don't know. We'll see. That's for sure, man. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. I mean, I, th- I think about Aaron Rodgers. He came up through Juco before he went to Cal Bears. Yes. And look at him now. What, what, what do you think of him off the field is another thing. But when he, when he puts on that, those pads and that helmet, he is one of the greatest that we've seen. It's amazing. You look at the mm-hmm. team when he didn't play that week and Jordan Love, who they drafted to replace him, played. It looked mm-hmm. like two different teams. And, you know, he did look good his first game back. He was hanging out, chilling, relaxing. He's like, guys, relax. It's one loss. And he rolled. They got, like, the number one seed now. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. You look at Josh Allen. This guy's another kid that went to JUCO. And nobody wanted him in college. He got one scholarship offer after coming from JUCO. But it's just hard work, man. Story Mm -hmm. after story after story shows you how important hard work is. You know, it just doesn't happen. Overnight success is, is never a thing. You might hear about it, but. That's never the truth. Yeah, I think that's a misnomer that I don't know if it's Hollywood or mass media portrays, but I think 
the overnight success is just the tip of the iceberg. There's usually a mountain of of work that goes into it. And I guess it brings me to my next question, which is your book, uh, Forever Trucking, Mastering the Will to Win. What's the mindset that you need to have to to become that quote unquote overnight success? Oh man, you hit it on the head, man. Like I, I wrote that book for so many reasons. I bro- I wrote it because one, I I won a New York Emmy for like my story. And I, it was like a fifteen minute film, and I was like, man, they didn't really get everything. If I got an Emmy for that, I would love to write a book. Maybe it would be a bestseller. So I wrote the book, and I kind of went into detail about some of the struggles that I faced as a kid, some of the the things I faced as an adult, just to show people that that that, that you're human. And I came up with like six principles in the book that talks about direct things that you can do to become successful because a lot of times you hear about the overnight success but nobody knows how they became the overnight success like for me it took you know 30 years to become overnight success <laughs> because that's what people thought like they see me with the ultimate fighter came out of nowhere nobody knew who i was because i wasn't really in the fighting scene i wasn't like a highly recruit i wasn't a, high, a big scout i came out of nowhere in most people's eyes but i wrestled my whole life i played football my whole life my family is an immigrant family that I watched my dad just work his butt off over and over and over again every single day. So, like, it was just ingrained in my mind. Like, I beat guys that I was nowhere near as talented at, but I just said I was not, I was going to find a way to win. Like, I was going to, I was going to outwill them. That lasts, but for so long, you could outwill somebody, but sometimes, you know, you know, skills plays a huge, huge role in it. But I broke it down step by step, like the, the six key principles I use. And I feel like, Everybody can learn from it. And I was fortunate enough to become a bestseller for that. So I highly recommend everybody grab it. You know, Amazon is available. If you go to my eddytruckgordon.com website, I can send you a signed copy if you guys want one too. So, and I'll hook you guys up. You guys, I appreciate you for even helping me with your platform to kind of meet, you know, meet your, your, your guests. So me, Kobe, you guys rock. No, you're awesome, buddy. You, you're awesome, man. And any other social medias you want to shout out to our fans? Oh man, I keep it super simple, man. Like, it's Truck Gordon on pretty much every platform I use. Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, I, I didn't change it because it, it was Truck MMA underscore UFC. And it sounds corny, but the reason I didn't change it because I really never really go on. <laughs> I have all these apps now. <laughs> when you post, it goes to everything. So everybody thinks I'm on all these platforms. But but I usually I try my best to like reply to everybody. That's the one thing that people thought I was crazy. I just got somebody to help me out, like an assistant, because running the business and trying to knock everybody. So she does help me out, but I try to, to physically like reply to as many people as I possibly can. I'm, I'm happy I did because that's how we linked up, you know? Yeah, we appreciate you. I'm big on TikTok too, man. Like My kids got me to go on TikTok. <laughs> I thought it was a kid's app, and honestly, like it kept me sane. Through COVID, being locked in the house, that club in the house board, that sensation got me. Cause I was really bored in the house with five kids, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's been TikTok's been amazing. I met some amazing people there, and it's just the algorithm. I love it. I'm growing exponentially every single day, and you get to see a different side of me, like a fun, crazy, like like a big kid. When I tell when people find out I'm a fighter, they're like, "What the heck?" Cause I just have fun on there. Like I just I just try to be a kid again, man. It's it's, uh, it's pretty fun. We appreciate that, man. We appreciate your time. Listen, I appreciate you guys for having me, man. Thank you so much. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.